Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Our second reverse chronological lightning round Monday of the year is here. It's off-season episode. No, that's not right. It's in-season episode number 11. I'll catch on. You guys just got to stick with me a little bit. Last day of October. Happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, you realize things as you begin to talk about them. Blame it on the kids. Can't think more than about eight seconds ahead, whatever I'm doing here. But luckily, we've got plenty of fantasy basketball to talk about, and we'll dive right into that here in a matter of moments. First, welcome to the show. It's Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. Hope you guys have done what I've suggested so far, and join us all on social media, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, at EthosFantasyBK is our news feed. That might be the most important thing you do. Get all your fantasy news rapid fire as it's breaking. And it comes with analysis. Our news feed has analysis. It's not just what happened. It's what you can do with it as well. And again, there's just too many things that happen in between each podcast for you to not be piped in kind of on both sides of this equation. But enough about that. We got to get today's show going. Uh, running a little bit late because our younger one is uh, quite sick. And so we're just kind of carving out time as parents to get whatever we've done, whatever we can done when we can. And uh, that's why today's podcast is a little bit later. I don't know actually when the episodes are going to be releasing this week. Um, and thank you for bearing with me on that front as well. Thank you to those that dropped a five star review on the podcast. I know I was going through some of those ones last week and was like, oh my God, we had this advertisement on there. Brutal, brutal. But a few of you <laughs> dropped in a reviews and pushed the other one down the board a little bit. I do apologize again. I'm so sorry, ClipFan88. I did not know that ad was there. Uh, and I feel absolutely gross about it. But thank you to everybody else that uh, dropped in some five-star reviews. You guys have pushed the other ones down the board and hopefully, I went in and I checked the box to get rid of political ads on the show, so we'll see if that worked. Man, I cannot believe that happened. But anyway, let's start with Sunday. We go backwards through the weekend. That's how reverse chronological lightning rod goes. Uh, we try to move quickly because we're going through all 30 teams in, my hope, is 30 minutes. 30 teams in 30 minutes. We're about two and a half minutes into the show right now, so you know, hit your stopwatch. And make sure to pause the stopwatch when I do a promo in the middle of the thing. But then you can obviously, you know, turn it back on again after the promo. Clippers beat, uh, or rather lost, to the Pelicans, I should say, at home. Clippers have been kind of a mess so far this year. I think this Kawhi thing, you know, they, they knew it was going to be a problem at the beginning of the year, but it's been bigger. And then Paul George having the flu and just not at all being himself has, by the way, turned Paul George into one of the easiest buy-low candidates on the face of the earth. And I know what you're thinking— who do I throw out there? Because PG's at 99 right now, but nobody's nobody thinks he's going to be a 90-range fantasy basketball player this year. He just hasn't been able to throw a stone in the ocean. I think you should look at guys ranked between 25 and 40 that have a boatload of name recognition and are unlikely to go much higher. Pascal Siakam is a really interesting name in there. He's probably not going to go much higher. He's at 40 right now. He might get as high as about 30. DeMar DeRozan's at 31. I don't think he goes a ton higher than that this year, unless the assists come back up a whole bunch. Drew Holiday's at 29. He's going to be awesome this season, 
But 3.2 defensive stats is high even for him. Eight assists is high even for him. He's probably not going much higher than about 28, 29. You're not going to get Paul George for Boyan Bogdanovich. You're not going to get him for John Collins. You're not going to, unfortunately, get him for Desmond Bain. And frankly, you might just want to stick with Bain at that point. You're not going to get him for Wiggins or Rozier. So, you know, I wouldn't toss those guys out there. But among that list that we just gave you, those guys, I think, could probably get it done. Maybe Jalen Brown, Bradley Beal throw on there also. I don't think Beal's going any higher than mid-30s this season. I don't think Jalen Brown's going any higher than mid-30s. I think he's actually probably headed down the board, if anything. So there's five or six options you could throw out there if you have any of those dudes. As far as the rest of the Clippers go, I think you can roll with Norman Powell as long as Kawhi Leonard is out. Uh, he had 18 points, three boards, three assists, a block, three three-pointers, or a lot of threes in his stat line from Sunday. Came off the bench, but that doesn't worry me very much because he basically had the highest usage of anybody not named Paul George on the team. I'm also not picking up Marcus Morris because um, I don't know that he gets eight boards or four assists the rest of the year. And he beats the Zubats, by the way, 4.6 boards. He did have two blocks to kind of semi-salvage this one, but this, this is the back and forth here. As Marcus Morris gets right, Zubats takes a hit. He's blocking 2.7 shots per game. That's going to come down. He's right around 80 right now. And this is why I keep saying I think Zubats slides back towards 90 to 100. He just, like, the minutes are not going to be there every single night. As far as the Pelicans go, you can keep streaming Trey Murphy as long as Brandon Ingram is out. I had somebody ask me if I thought Murphy might have a role even at full strength. Well, Yeah, he'll have a role, but... You know, getting 16 shots a game is something that only comes when the one of the highest usage dudes is out. He's just not going to get that many looks. And so it's going to be really hard game to game, night to night, getting whatever it is, 22 to 25 minutes. Can a sort of a small forward type of player hang in there who doesn't do a ton besides score? I mean, a little bit, but not a ton. And my answer is probably not from a fantasy standpoint. Najee Marshall, 17-6-4, he had a big ball game. I'm not adding him either. Uh, a lot of that was the Herb Jones situation. He's not back yet. He's getting dropped in a lot of spots. I think you can probably add Herb if he's on your wire. Um, more of a steel specialist, to be sure, but he'll, he'll knock Marshall most likely out of the starting lineup. And even if he doesn't, uh, I, don't, I just don't think that there's enough opportunity there, especially at this level of efficiency. I went took longer than expected. Boston blew out Washington, so you can kind of semi-dump this box score. I will note once again that our guy Big Al uh, slow again in the boxes. He did have eight rebounds here, which I thought was a step in the right direction. But only one assist. Hockey assists are coming fast and furious for him, but those don't count. And still only one block there. The assists, the rebounds, the defensive stats, all that stuff is going to come around. We never wanted Al for scoring, so hold on tight. It's going to be fine. You know, Maybe he doesn't get to the 40 range, but that's not where he was drafted anyway. He's drafted near 90. I think it's almost a guarantee, like a 98% chance he gets into that range or higher. So just hang in there. No other notes on this game. Not close enough for me to care. Warriors lost to Detroit. I feel like this happens often, and I feel like it's Draymond Green's fault. He goes home, or, you know, Michigan State. He goes near home. Uh, and I don't know. I just feel like the Warriors never look good in Detroit. Jordan Poole looked good, so his by-low window is, 
is basically obliterated now. He's back to number 80 and on the way up. That's good for him. He's always going to have bigger games when Clay sits, too. Something to kind of keep in the back of your mind on the, the Jordan Poole front. So, yes, I mean, obviously don't overreact to this, but he's been much better the last couple of ball games. Andrew Wiggins, on the other side, has been much worse, not surprisingly. He's down to number 24 now. And, you know, the fact that he's still at 24, even seven games in, I think is a really good thing. But a lot of this stuff that we knew was going to start to taper off has begun to taper off. And it'll keep going that way. So whatever you can get for him, this is the time to keep trying. Try before the luster completely comes off. On the other side, Jalen Duran hurt in this ballgame. He got 15 minutes, probably would have gotten about 22 Otherwise, those extra seven went back to the starter, Isaiah Stewart, who had maybe his best game as a pro, and he's been better this year. I'll give I'll give Beef Stew some credit. He's still number 114 because he hasn't blocked any shots. He hasn't gotten any steals. His shooting from both the free throw line and the field have been terrible, but it does seem like there's a little bit of upward movement for him. I, I'm not going to really do anything with it. He's mostly rostered. So, whatever. I'm not going to buy on him. I'm not even going to try to sell, because I don't think anybody's going to buy it off one ball game. So, probably just leave it alone. Same story for Sadiq Bey, who had a good ball ballgame. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, he signed a two-year extension. So, Detroit is invested in him, and he's been awesome for them so far this year. He's still very much a sell high. I ended up winning a bunch of spots as, like, the last of the last round picks, thinking, all right, whatever, like, maybe he gets 14, 15 shots and does nothing else and instead he's gotten 14 shots he's been brilliant from the free throw line and he's just making everything right now however he's not going to shoot 53 percent for the year that's going to come down into the mid to high 40s his rank is going to drop with it his scoring will drop with it and there's just not a whole lot to kind of buttress against that drop off uh but regardless if he has this level of usage He'll stay a fantasy value so I don't think that you can really sell him for much right now and I'd you know, if you can get 75 range, I would, but I don't know. What's the point? Just ride out the super hot stretch and then make a decision later. Cleveland beat New York. Spida. Donovan Mitchell's been amazing with Darius Garland dealing with this eyeball thing. 38-3-12. He's been incredible. He's a sell high, by the way. Donovan Mitchell's number 10 this year. He was drafted typically uh, third, sometimes even fourth round. And he's going to fall back towards that when Garland comes back, when he stops shooting 49% from the field. He's not going to have 32 points a game and seven assists. It's just not going to last all season long. Simple. That's a simple equation. So if you can get someone who's sort of a more steady second rounder for Donovan, I would do it. An early third, I might even consider it. I don't know that there's enough of a profit margin there. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. 
Compare prices across multiple stores in your area. Find the best deals on game day drinks and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Kevin Love, 29 points in 22 and a half minutes off the bench, and he is now inside the top 100. Kevin Love is number 95 in 20 minutes of ballgame. He's been brilliant, actually, in his role. And that's, by the way, without basically even bumbling into a defensive stat, which usually he'll bumble into one. Like one every other game or something like that, a little bit more frequently. I can't believe I'm saying this. And I have him on a couple of kind of punt big style teams where his low field goal percent and high free throw fits what I'm trying to do. But he's been a standard league value this year. Unexpected twist, not just a fit guy anymore. Kevin Love, standard league value as a three point shooting big man. So you can add him. I don't know that you have to, but you can, and he can replace somebody on your team that just is, I don't know, not good. There's much in the way of upside with Kevin, so I don't want to get down that path too far. Dean Wade had another good ball game, but I'm still not buying in on that. Uh, Karis LeVert was horrible, as we kind of expected off of the world's biggest game he put up in the previous one. I think that was against Boston. And then he just, like, falling off a cliff doesn't even do this game justice. 0 for 9. He went from a 40-burger to 1. He made 1 free throw. Yikes. Oh, boy. Is that bad? Levert stays in the starting lineup when Garland comes back, which I think the hope is that at some point this week, Darius will return, and then Dean Wade goes to the bench. Levert, I don't think, has a chance at fantasy value once Garland is back in the mix. He barely had a chance at fantasy value without Garland around. He had that one giant game. Otherwise, he's actually been kind of bad this year, especially on the percentages. And then this one solidified it. As far as New York goes, Isaiah Ardenstein, 27 minutes. Mitchell Robinson wasn't very good in the first half, picked up a ton of fouls in the second half. So you got, like, starter-level run. And for Isaiah, that's more than enough. He's number 92 as a backup right now. If anything happens to Mitchell Robinson, Isaiah Ardenstein goes top 60 or better. And right now, he's 12-team startable, even as the reserve. We talk about those backup centers a lot on this show, and he's one that stays well above the cut line. Spurs rested everybody, or they were all hurt or something. I don't want to get too much into the Josh Primo thing because I think that you know the stories are still emerging on it, but it uh, sounds pretty gnarly. You guys can go look up the story. I, I don't really want to spend podcast time talking about it because it's a little gross. Um, but anyway, so Josh Primo's gone, meaning Trey Jones is sort of unimpeded, and um, he looked like a guy who was not unimpeded in this ball game. Terrible shooting game, but for Trey Jones, he's he's locked into a safe role the rest of the way. Jacoperto finally blocked a few shots. He's actually a little bit of a buy low. Pirtle's at 73 on the year, averaging just under one block per game, and we know that number's coming up. And then my, oh man, I love it when Keldon Johnson has a good ball game. Nothing tickles me quite as much. You guys know, because he was like the biggest mid-round investment for the old man squad, which again, inaccurately named given Keldon's not old. But Kevin Durant was kind of the, the big 
early investment, if he was around anywhere from two through seven or whatever, I went KD. By the way, he's number eight right now, which seems almost unbelievable, but speaks to how much the guys in front of him have done to this point. Uh, KD's at 32 points, four and a half boards, 3.7 assists, a steal, 2.2 blocks, almost two three-pointers on league-winning percentages, and he's number eight. <laughs> Oh, Jokic, AD, Miles Turner, limited sample size, Miles Turner, Luka, Tatum, Steph, and Shea are in front of KD. And I'll tell you, like, first of all, Tatum's coming down. He's not shooting 56% for a year, so he'll fall behind Durant at some point. Miles will fall behind him at some point. Uh, I, I Maybe Luka doesn't. He's not. His free throw stroke hasn't been great, and still he's number four because he's averaging 37, 10, and 9 Good gravy, Luca. And then Shea, you've got to figure tapers off at some point. He's at 3.6 defensive stats, and he's made 30 out of 30 foul shots. Uh, so I think even when that stuff just levels off, that should move KD. Jokic, Steph, Luca are all up there. So maybe it pushes. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, Porzingis has been fine. He hasn't been a massive win in the sort of late early crop so far. Mostly because his free throw stroke has been weird. If you fix that, he moves back up into that 40 range. And then if the blocks move up towards two, then he's that top 25 guy that we were looking at. But as the mid-range guys go, as the dudes drafted, you know, between 50 and 75, Keldon was the one. And I tweeted it out. You can pretty much tell my mood based on what Keldon Johnson does on a given night. And 25, 6, and 8, five threes, two defensive stats, and... Basically what I would call like a perfect shooting night. Not that he made all of his buckets, but over 50%. Has vaulted Keldon to number 36 per game. I love it. But one thing I do want to take away from this game, besides the me tracking Keldon Tracker 2K22, is that when the whole team is out, it seems like the winner is Doug McDermott, who came off the bench and scored 23. Problem is that I can't trust Doug McDermott coming off the bench. Romeo Langford started at seven and seven with three defensive stats, played thirty-four minutes, but I again I just sort of can't I can't trust it. Over on the other side, uh, you, you see why it's impossible to trust a bench gunner like Jalen Noel, because if he's off, it's gonna be the worst line of the night. Dallas beat Orlando. Um Luca got a very casual 44 in this ballgame. Dorian Finney-Smith, 13-8-2. Sort of a little bit more like what we expected of him. I still don't know if any Maverick besides Luka will finish inside the top 100. That's kind of my running hot take here. Everybody was like, oh, Christian Wood's a shoo-in. He's number 168. He's the fourth Maverick on the list. Behind Luka... Dinwiddie, I think, is, yeah, he's at 113, and then Finney Smith is at, like, 150-something. He's he's just a bit in front of uh, of Christian Wood. Maybe someone comes around? I don't know, though. Bull Bull, still trucking. Add and start. I'm not adding R.J. Hampton, for whatever that's worth. Man, I really want Markel Fultz to get back. He's have such an easy path to value right now. Meanwhile... The young guys are really struggling. Franz Wagner's number 181. He is a buy low. The question is, I don't know. I don't know what it would take to pry him away right now. I don't think you could get him for a top 100 guy because somebody probably drafted him at like 65 or 70. 
75? And I didn't want him there anyway. Could you get him for like 90 to 100? I don't know. And then Paolo. Interesting little footnote here. He's been so bad in the percentages that that's now sunk him past the 100 mark. Now, if you're punting either free throw or field goal percent, he moves back into the must-start, obviously, range because he's doing so many good things in points, boards, assists are pretty good, blocks are pretty good, steals are fine. There's a lot of good stuff going on with Paolo, and only 2.6 turnovers, which isn't that nuts, but oof, those percentages. That's some rookie action right there. Hey, side note, other rookie, Jabari Smith Jr., also right next to Paolo at 104 because she's he's shooting 33%. Anyway, I'd love it if Markel Fultz could get back. There's just such an opening there right now. Uh, Phoenix beat Houston. We were just talking about Jabari Smith, it, it, like, struggling to shoot. This is what happens with young dudes. They burst onto the scene. Teams make a little adjustment, and now it's up to the young guys to figure out how to conquer that. I think Jabari Smith is a buy low. Because you know, 33% is low, even by rookie standards. That's going to come up. He's not hes not an interior force. He's going to be a low field goal percent power forward, but 33 is a little crazy. So if you can get him for like a 90 range guy, I probably would do it. If you can't, don't worry about it too much. Not going to make or break you. Hey, Cam Johnson, what's up, dude? 19 and 7, five threes. And a steal. And this is why we said do whatever you could to buy low on Cam. Because as soon as we saw the minutes come around, everything else was just a matter of time. And now he's inside the top 100. He's number 97 despite what I think we could all argue has been a pretty bad start to the year other than this ballgame. We got our first look at the Suns without DeAndre Ayton here. Bismarck Biombo had five blocks in 22 minutes, and that was all right. Jock Landale had 16-7 and seven in 23 minutes and was, by all accounts, the better fantasy player. But he had foul issues, and they're going to trade off, really. So I don't know that I would... I don't know that I would dive too hard into either one of them. Meanwhile, Chris Paul still can't shoot to save his life, but had 15 assists, and that's why I'm not worried about him. CP3 has been about as bad as he could possibly be to this point, and he's still top 50. And he was drafted near 40. So I know we're like, oh, Chris Paul vastly underperforming. I mean, yeah, he's underperforming our target, which is top 25 per game, but 34.5% from the field, he's going to come up into the mid to high 40s almost definitely, and when he does, everything else just kind of comes with it. Because you're talking about adding... Uh, like basically another third to all of his scoring stuff. So 9.3 points becomes 14.8 threes, 1.2. Everything else stays roughly the same. Ta-da! Second rounder. Easy peasy. I don't think you could buy low on Chris Paul, though, because like if somebody drafted him, they probably wanted him. They're probably listening to this podcast. Uh, maybe you can. I don't know. If you can get him for a 50-range guy, you absolutely should. Who else is in that neck of the woods? Um, I don't know. Maybe Tyrese Maxey. He's 47. CJ McCollum might get it done. Brandon Ingram, who's been hurt. Michael Porter Jr. might get it done. I'd consider it. Lakers won a ball game, everybody. Sound the alarms, blow the horns, the whole schlemiel. Uh, Jokic was good. AD was good. LeBron was fine. 
he's coming around. Russ was actually decent in this ball game, but nah. Lonnie Walker, streamer level, not a guy I'm trusting every single game. I'd rather use him head-to-head when he's got a back-to-back or something like that. Over on the Denver side, Jamal Murray, closest he's had to a good ball game so far. I think you could probably even classify this as decent. 21-4-5 with three threes. Uh, no steals, no blocks. Only one turnover, though. I mean, this really wasn't bad. Overshadowed a bit by some of his teammates, but really not bad. The one note I actually... So, look, we you know we talked about Jamal Murray. This is two weeks in. I said, check him out at four weeks. Okay? Two more weeks. We'll give a, a good look at Jamal. KCP seems like he's locked into a, a must-start, especially on the Roto side, fantasy situation. Um... He's not universally rostered in fantasy leagues because he's boring, but he's uh, he's ranked in the 80s on Yahoo. He's ranked in the 60s on Basketball Monster. Wherever you're looking, he's been more than good enough. So hopefully you have him somewhere because, like, he's been good. 11 points, four boards, three assists, steals, threes. This is a great fit for him, and we kind of knew that when the trade happened. I, Denver hasn't quite gelled yet. I think some of that is Jamal Murray. Some of that is defensively they haven't been very good, but it's coming around. And this is a nice opportunity to remind you guys to prop up with our buddies over at ThriveFantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app. You like prop bets? Of course you do. You love prop bets. Do you find DFS to be somewhat overwhelming, having to build an entire roster every single day? Of course you do, because you're like me. So go to Thrive. They give you 20 prop bets to choose from. Just scroll down the board. You can pick them all if you want, and then go back and pick your 10 favorites. That's it. Pick your 10 favorite props, overs or unders, for particular players on a given card. And if you have great success on the ones that you pick, you win money. You don't have to try to match up salaries. You don't have to go through and make sure you, you know, all the positions fit in your roster. It's so much easier. And for a limited time, use coupon code ETHOS at sign up when you open your account and Thrive will match your first deposit up to $250. I did this math on the show last week, folks. If you put in 100 bucks, if you put in $100, they'll give you an extra 100 you can play with. Play with it. Go five days at 20 bucks a piece, something like that. If you win literally any of those, you're up because the, the, the $100 you were playing with was ghost money. So just win any of them. And let's say you're actually doing kind of well. You win, I don't know, four out of the five, and you're up. What does that put you up? You win, uh, you lose one, you win four, you're up. You're basically like plus three in that instance, so you're up like 60 bucks. Great. Keep playing with it. Maybe keep growing it. So that 200 became 260. Maybe you win another three out of five. Add another 20 bucks. Just keep going on that pace. And and our DFS team will give you their favorite prop bets on a podcast every day. Thrive Props. ThriveFantasy.com. Promo code ETHOS. Check them out right now. You know you want to. It's going to be a lot of fun for you. All right. Back to the mix. We turn the clock to Saturday. We've knocked out just over half of the NBA to this point. So that's how's pace going here. Not well, you say? Okay, well, we'll pick it up a little bit. 
Miami in Sacramento. Kyle Lowry now ranked in the 60s on a per-game basis, so we're good there. Terrific. Uh, Jimmy Butler, meh. Caleb Martin is the guy we were looking at as, like, could he sustain a fantasy value? I'm, I still think he does. He's number 112, and he's been kind of bad so far this year. Like, he's been 112, and he hasn't really done anything yet, which makes me think he was like our Dorian Finney-Smith last year. He's going to get these starters minutes most games unless Tyler Hero is going nuclear and Max Struess. They need to spread the floor a little bit. But, like, there really isn't another choice. And even in this one, Caleb was okay, even in a quiet ballgame. So I still think he's going to be a 12-teamer, but he's going to be that fringe low turnover, do a little bit of everything kind of 12-teamer. And maybe that's not that interesting for you, perhaps on the head-to-head side or whatever. But, like, numerically, rank-wise, he should get there. Kevin Herter, probably a similar story on the other side. He's going to shoot a bit more than a guy like Martin. And for Herter, in every game, he's been healthy, truly healthy this year. He's been good. I don't think that these numbers stick long-term. I think he slides back towards the edge of the top 100 or farther, potentially. But he's got some ball handling duties. He's got some ball movement stuff going on. And so, at least for now, he definitely belongs on rosters. As does Harrison Barnes, who got off to an I'm-going-to-do-nothing-at-all kind of start. And he's actually been a little bit better the last two ball games. I would be... He'd be a guy I would cut quickly if he goes back to pumpkin mode. But right now, he does belong on a roster. Hornets beat the Warriors in overtime. We talked Golden State already. Dennis Smith Jr., after one bad stream game, he's back rocking again. He's been top 60 here, filling in for Terry Rozier and LaMelo Ball. Kelly Oubre's been kind of tough. His percentages have been so terrible that he's he's sort of counterweighted whatever good stuff he's done. He's not a must-start guy if you are trying to win percentages. He's probably worth more in a trade to a team that is not competing in a percentage. Gordon Hayward's been a, a very weird story. He's ranked low because his free throw stroke's been bad and he's been turning it over a lot. But, like, overall, his numbers are pretty good. He's number 123, uh, but that's 20 points, 4.5 boards, 4.2 assists, and it's really just because the turnovers are high and he's shooting five free throws a game at 77%. If that 77 goes to back to mid-80s, where he typically belongs, and the turnovers come down into the twos, he jumps from 123 to about 75 or 80. So don't panic on the Gordon Hayward thing. He still makes a lot of sense in, frankly, a lot of builds. It's just weird to draft a guy at like 130 that's now a high turnover dude out of nowhere. But, you know, whatever. It's still, that to me is more of a sample size thing. Indy beat Brooklyn. Yikes. Brooklyn is having kind of an unpleasant start to the year. And some of that is because they're 1-5. and five, And some of that is because Kyrie keeps stepping in doo-doo. Um, but either way... It makes me kind of nervous for Durant and Irving. If they don't start winning ball games, this thing could come bursting apart at the seams. From a fantasy standpoint, those guys have been amazing. Royce O'Neal's been very good. Um, Joe Harris played 24 minutes in this game. Seth Curry played 17 and a half. That situation is something to monitor. Nick Claxton has not made a free throw in a month. And for that reason, he's losing playing time, actually, as they go smaller more often. Uh, and he's also been killing fantasy teams because of it. We talked about this last week, though. I don't really want to rehash it. But he's a sell guy. If you can still convince someone, like, if you can sell him to a punt free throw team, you could probably get something decent back. 
Meanwhile, every time I say meanwhile, I want to do like the the Super Friends. Meanwhile, uh, Isaiah Jackson got the start for the resting Miles Turner and was brilliant. And then Miles went on a podcast and said the Lakers should trade for him. So it's just a matter of time at this point. Isaiah Jackson is absolutely a must-hold player. He's way too good to be floating around because this is the upside. He's just inside the top 150 right now, which I realize makes him a tough start night to night. Roto, you start him when Miles is out. But damn, dude, look at that. Anywho. Uh, Philly beat Chicago on the road. Joel Embiid, by the way, is questionable for the Sixers game tonight with the flu-like symptoms, non-COVID illness. What we do know is that if anyone for the Sixers sits, DeAnthony Melton is a guy you need to rocket boost into your lineups and, frankly, should just be rostered at this point. Because even with all the up and the down and the back and the forth and the left and the right, DeAnthony Melton's number 77 in 21 minutes a game because he's fixed some of the efficiency stuff from last year. And hopefully that sticks. We'll see. Tobias Harris has been weirdly uh, highly ranked also. He's number 38. And I completely can't figure out why. Two defensive stats is too high for him. Uh, He'll taper off a bit. I mean, he's only scoring 12.7 points per game. He didn't just magically become a guy that gets fantasy value from other stuff. So that's a sell moment. For Chicago, Alex Caruso is very interesting. If Io DeSumo has to miss any more ball games, it sounds like Io wants to play. So it may be kind of too late to do anything with this information. But if, for some reason, someone has to sit in the near future on the guard side of the equation, maybe it's Zach Levine, maybe it's Io again, whatever, Caruso then becomes the guy. You're like, okay, well, we got our data point here, and that works. Clint Capella played better for Atlanta, and when that works, then uh, Anyika Okongwu is not going to have a very good ball game. Frankly, as far as all these backup centers go, I love Okongwu, but he, to me, he's going to be stuck behind for most of the year. He's been fine. He's top 150. He's like right around Isaiah Jackson. But to compare the two is, in my estimation, kind of apples and oranges. Their stat lines so far this year are pretty similar. But Jackson, you can look at and say, oh, well, the guy in front of him is likely to be gone. Whereas with the Hawks, Capella's not going anywhere unless he gets hurt. He's going to play 26 to 29 minutes a game most nights. That's going to make it tougher. We've also begun to see the drop-off of John Collins. We kind of knew that was coming. He wasn't going to be a a first or super early rounder all year. Uh might argue it's happened more abruptly than we expected because he was number seven on Wednesday. Now he's in the third round, like four days later. But again, like we knew this was coming. The same way we know, and I hate to say it because you guys know how much I love Brooke Lopez, but he's not going to be number 15 in fantasy this year. He's not going to average 3.6 blocks. And that's honestly as far as you need to go with this. He's not going to average 3.6 blocks. And frankly, his number of shots per game is probably going to come down as Chris Middleton gets healthy. He's taking 11.5 shots a game. That's probably going to come back down towards 9.5 or 10. So the threes, the scoring, the blocks, all of that stuff is coming down. I love Brooke Lopez. I have him in a bunch of places because he was like the last name on the old man squad because he was getting drafted so damn late. But at the same time, he's going to fall off. Again, the question becomes, what could you get back? Could you get a top 50 guy? Doubt it. 60? Doubt it. 70? Maybe. 80? Probably. 
But at that point, I think Brooke Lopez was going to be in the 80 to 90 range anyway. So why am I moving him then? Drew Holiday ex- uh, just completely exploded in this ballgame. He was amazing. And his buy low window is gone. Utah beat Memphis in a nail-biter. The Jazz are quietly not bad. They're 5-2 and two so far this year. We did get some data from this ballgame. First, Kelly Olynyk was awesome. So good to see him bounce back. And again, it was sort of this like we knew his percentages were not going to be that terrible. Turnovers are still weirdly high, but he's kind of orchestrating a bit out of the center spot. Larry Markinen was good. Uh, Vanderbilt was, was solid enough. Minutes weren't as high as I'd like, but whatever. Jordan Clarkson, you know, solid enough again. The story on this one, Mike Conley rested because this was a back-to-back, and Colin Sexton got 32 minutes. Now, I, the the impression we were given by the Jazz was that Sexton's minutes were being held in check a little bit because he was coming back from this big injury, but they kind of turned him loose in this ballgame, and now I'm very curious what that means for him when Conley's back. Does he go right back down to 20 minutes a ballgame, or was this kind of their way to bust him through? Keep a very close watch on that. Sexton should remain on rosters until we know what the hell's going on out there, uh, and then we'll work from that point. Memphis got a huge one from Desmond Bain. Uh, tweaked an ankle a little bit in this ballgame. Jaw sat it out, so Tyus Jones, that's a really obvious replacement play. I I don't like Dylan Brooks's fantasy game. I know that his numbers are going to be inflated here by the fact that he had one big ball game, but guess what? He's still outside the top two hundo. So, nah. Nah. We talked Dallas already. Oklahoma City, Jalen Williams came back, played 27 minutes, and looked really good probably deserves a speculative ad at the very least. Trey Mann, 26 minutes. He didn't really get the usage. They kind of just went all Shea in this wild road win. Lou Dort, I'm not into his fantasy game. Darius Baisley, I'm not into his fantasy game. I'm trying to, like, my only real debate with the Thunder is, do I bother with Jalen Williams? Do I bother with Trey Mann? And the answer right now is, yeah, probably might as well depending on who drop the drops might be, but at least we can kind of see how that situation plays itself out and then uh, make our call after that. And now the proverbial did anybody not play Saturday or Sunday question. I Again, I should always check this before I come on the pod, but I never do. And I think the answer was Toronto. Getting that right? And luckily we don't really care. Toronto's set in stone. Although, uh, Freddie Van Vliet is questionable. If he's out, they might go big. And we've seen this before. Chris Boucher is the winner any time a Raptor sits. And Freddie Van Vliet looked like he might have been hurt in that ballgame. He put up a, a Karis Laversion line. But Boucher's a guy to keep an eye on. You don't need to have him all the time, for sure. I don't know anybody that does really is like sitting on Boucher this year but we know that when a Raptor is out he tends to be the beneficiary so you know maybe we wait and get that data point if Freddie does sit this one out um and I'm fine with that there's sort of no reason to go too fast this early in the year but that's my expectation at the very least and I think that's 30 am I I feel like I gotta be missing one how could it only be one team Shouldn't it have been two? I guess there were some back-to-backs in there, so it 
it wasn't an, an even number of clubs. Um, I'm scanning the list now while you're listening to me doing the podcast, and I'm pretty sure I talk about all these other teams. Portland! There it is! Portland! I knew there was one more. You guys are probably screaming at me about it, too. Uh, no Dame for a little bit longer. Anthony Simons went big. No surprise there. Nurk had to go big. No big surprise there. Jeremy Grant had to go a little bit bigger. Uh, Josh Hart is dinged up. Took a, I think his bell rung, a head injury. Shaden Sharp, um, yeah, I'm not seeing enough fantasy stuff to make an ad there. Justice Winslow would be the more interesting name if Hart has to miss some time, but we know Winslow has his big percentages issues. So I think I would probably just ride Nurk, Simons, and Grant with Dame out, and, uh, and Hart out, I should say, and then, you know, just take the extra stuff from the established names in that group. No reason to, to stretch ourselves too thin. And that is your reverse chronological lightning round. Again, a reminder to go check out Thrive Fantasy and the Thrive Fantasy app if you have a moment to please add a five-star review to the podcast. We got a nice little chunk there late last week. So thank you to everybody that did so. Let's see if we can roll up a few more today. And you'll be my best friend. But either way, uh, I'll be getting back out on Twitter as often as I can. Again, mention that we do have uh, some sick children going on around here, so it's it's a little messy, but I will do my my level best, as they say. I am Dan Vasperis. This is Fantasy NBA Today. We will talk to you guys tomorrow at some point. So long. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.